Welcome to a present for the past. A show for all your paranormal needs. Welcome to a present from the past. My name is Weldon. I will be your host this evening. Unfortunately, Natasha was unable to join us, but uh, that's okay. The show must go on, right? So, I've been doing some searching over uh, Texas legends and trying to find as many of them as I can share with uh, with y'all as possible. And, you know, when, when I find a legend, I always try to find the history of that legend and where, where that legend began and um, who... Who were the possibilities of, of who, who were the possible entities that, that created this legend? And you know, um, looking over them over the years, uh, this one I came across, and I've never heard it before. And quite frankly, the the um, there's only one clear outcome as to uh, where the legend came from and who the possible uh, legend is. So we will discuss this and I will also discuss the other story that I came across and it just didn't seem it didn't have as much as much to it as this one and normally the story with a little bit more history to it and a little bit more depth to it uh tend to be a little bit more believable so on that note let us dive into this legend so I'm sure all of you have heard the uh, the legend of Sleepy Hollow and the Headless Horseman of Sleepy Hollow. I know I heard it many, many times uh, growing up over the years. Uh, I believe I read it in school also. Um, there, there's It's always around Halloween time. You start hearing of this uh, the story of, of the Headless Horseman that would haunt the town of Sleepy Hollow and ends up um, killing a school teacher, uh, Ichabod Crane. Um, but I bet you never knew that there was a legend of the Headless Horseman from South Texas. That's right. Texas has its very own Headless Horseman. Who knew? Well, after doing the research and looking into the story, there are two possibilities of who this Headless Horseman is or was. Um, the first story that I came across was a, um, a, a, and I couldn't find any names to it either, so that's another thing that kind of lends to it not being as believable as the one we'll go over in depth. Uh, the first one was a wealthy man from, I believe, Kentucky moved down to um, 
the area where this is uh, based, which is an area. You know what? I'll, I'll go over the description of the area, and then I'll come back to um, the wealthy uh, man from Kentucky. Sorry, I got something going on with my throat. A little, uh, little bit of burning. Um, so the area of Texas that we're talking about um, was referred to as no man's land in the mid-1800s. And the reason it was referred to as no man's land is because there was an actual dispute going on between Mexico and the U.S. as to where the border of Texas actually lied. Um of course, the U.S. and Texas believed that it was the Rio Grande River, and the um, uh, Mexico believed it laid much further north. Uh, um, pardon me, I'm going to butcher it. Uh, Nueces River. Nueces. New. Anyway, the Nueces River. That's what I'm going to call it. And if I'm wrong, just I'm wrong. <laughs> but uh, that river runs roughly. From Corpus Christi up to Del Rio, Texas, kind of, it goes up and over. Um, if you're looking at the outline of Texas, Del Rio is on the edge of where Texas' little tail comes down into uh, Mexico. And then Corpus Christi is about halfway down on the tail on the other side. So, it essentially cuts off this the the... the tip portion of the tail of Texas going down into Mexico. Um, so this area was referred to as no man's land. And the reason it was no man's land is because there was such a, since there was such a debate on what country actually owned it, um, the criminal element found it the prime opportunity to uh, steal horses, steal cattle, murder, rob, thieve, do whatever you, you know, anything you can think of as far as criminal element, it was happening in no man's land. In order to, um, okay, so in the, in the mid 1800s, there was actually a, a, a battle or a war between Mexico and the U.S. and it was established that the border was Rio Grande. Well, that area still had a lot of that criminal element in it. And in order to battle that criminal element, Texas created the Texas Rangers, um, who were famous and notorious at the same time, infamous. They, um, they were rough cowboys that um, issued their own form of justice, especially in the no man's land. And you best believe they had some of the most brutal tactics of the time. So that's the area where this happens. It, it's just south of San Antonio, uh, to the west of San Antonio, um, all the way over to Corpus Christi. Okay. So if you have kind of that visual mindset, um, the story has it, the first story, the one that I've read, but not too keen on believing, is that a rich Kentucky man moved down into that area thinking he'd be able to buy up some land because 
of course, with all the criminal element going on, the land's cheaper down there, and he'd be able to buy a huge portion of land for cheap. Well, supposedly while he was down there, um, before he ever had a chance to brokerage any land deals or anything, um, he was overtaken by some uh, Mexican banditos, which were you know roving gangs or outlaws in the no man land no man's land um and they killed him and took all his money and when they killed him they cut off his head put him on his horse and let him ride off again i have no name for uh who this supposed person is from kentucky I have no names for who the possible banditos were that did it. Um, and that's pretty much how that story ends. Um, the other story I have has a lot more depth to it. And it is pretty um, pretty graphic. <laughs> um so, the supposed legend of the Headless Horseman is he's reported being seen roaming the hillsides in no man's land. And there was even a report in the early 1900s of a family going down towards uh, San Diego, Texas, which, yes, we do have a San Diego, Texas, but it is a very small town and south of uh, San Antonio almost towards uh, Corpus Christi, um, more south of San Antonio. But anyway, um, a family was headed there, well, a family, a husband and a wife, were headed there in a covered wagon and were passed by a headless man on a gray horse. Um, and supposedly he was screaming, it's mine, it's mine, it's all mine as he rode past them. Yeah, that, uh, that probably scared me. Yeah, you know, riding along and all of a sudden, horse runs up and you look over and the guy's got no head. And yet you hear him speaking. Yeah, that would freak me out. <laughs> and then there's been other reports of uh, people seeing him in the, the the hills and just seeing kind of a, you know, a silhouette or whatever of a headless horseman riding throughout the hills. So, the, the legend that I truly believe is, is the headless horseman, um, or also known as uh, El Mortel, um, and pardon me if I, I butchered that. I, I do apologize. You know, being from Texas, you figured I'd know a little a little bit better on Spanish, but uh, I'm hard of hearing, so every dialogue doesn't necessarily come across to me. So the story that um, I believe and that I think holds a little bit more weight to it is the story of two Texas Rangers Creed Taylor and oh this guy has like four names there it is 
William Alexander Andrews Wallace, also known as Bigfoot. So I will call him Bigfoot Wallace from this point forward. So Bigfoot Wallace and Creed Taylor were two Texas Rangers down in no man's land to help um, keep the peace, keep the justice, uh, deliver justice um, the Texas Rangers way and try and um, the, the whole purpose behind the Texas Rangers was to either run the criminal element out and or convince um, other people not to become part of the criminal element. So uh, they used, the Texas Rangers used all sorts of tactics in order to, to do this. Now, um, back in that time, which was the 1850s, in the 1850s, if you were a cattle thief or a horse thief, uh, you were on a bar worse than a murderer. Meaning they would rather have a murderer in their town than a horse thief. Kind of odd, but, you know, back in the day, everybody made their living off the horses and, and that, that was their life. So, um, and one um, horse thief or cattle thief, uh, cattle rustler, whatever you want to call them, uh, that lived in no man's land and, and thrived off the criminal element was a person by the name of Vidal. Um, so Vidal would, you know, steal horses, do cattle, do whatever he wanted to to survive. And on this particular time, he heard of a Cherokee raid that was going on the Cherokee community. I can't remember. Yeah, Indian raid that was going on, uh, Native American Indian raid that was going on north of No Man's Land. And normally, when there's a, a raid, uh, um, any type of Native American raid, the um, the Texas Rangers would go and try and um, put an end to it or or trace down the Indians that, that did it. But um, so Vidal took advantage of that, knowing that the Texas Rangers were going to be out of his area because they were, you know, taking care of a, uh Indian raid that was going on. They attacked. They went and stole a bunch of cattle, stole some Mustangs, um, and pretty much uh, thought they were going to be able to get away with this got free because Texas Rangers are, are busy. Unbeknownst to them, um, Creed Taylor and Bigfoot Wallace did not go on uh, to, to stop the raid. They stayed in the area they were in, which Creed Taylor actually had um, a ranch out in uh, no man's land just west of San Antonio. And a couple of the Mustangs that Vidal stole, Vidal and his men stole, were Creed Taylor's prized Mustangs. Now, 
I don't know if he didn't know they were the um, Creed Taylors. I don't know if we don't know if um, maybe he heard they were Creed Taylors and heard of the Indian raid and decided this would be a perfect time to, to, you know, just stick one to the Texas Rangers uh, because he knew that he was being hunted by the Texas Rangers. So I don't know if he was just, dim-witted and didn't know who the horses belonged to or the cattle belonged to or didn't care or he thought he was so smart and such a genius that he was going to get away with it. Well, him and his uh, band of outlaws took off, taking you know the, the cattle and the, the Mustangs with them and Creed Taylor and Bigfoot uh, Wallace along with another rancher in the area, a gentleman by the name of Flores, were hot on his tail. Um, and they, they traced him, or tracked him, sorry, tracked him, and came across his outlaw camp. Well, they waited until nightfall. Uh, Creed and, and Bigfoot, they, they waited until nightfall, and after everybody had bedded down for the night, they they attacked and ended up killing all of the outlaws, including Vidal. Now, if you remember back, I said that the Texas Rangers like using brutal tactics, um, especially to try and warn people or keep people, um, make people think twice about entering into the criminal lifestyle. And some of those tactics would include... For, for horse thieves, it was uh, hanging the bodies up in trees and letting them stay there. Um, there was also some where they would butcher the um, horse thieves and feed them to livestock, such as pigs and, and other things. I guess um, Bigfoot Wallace decided that wasn't good enough. It wasn't getting the message across. So, especially when Vidal was gutsy enough to steal from a Texas Ranger. So, with uh, with Creed blessing, uh, Bigfoot Wallace continued into um, pretty much creating the legend of El Muerta. And Morto, Morto, yeah, Morto. Um, so Bigfoot Wallace took Vidal's body, uh, decapitated him, um, beheaded him, decapitated, took his head off, took his head off, and put the body, propped the body up onto a gray Mustang tied his hand to the pommel of the uh, saddle and took Vidal's head and Vidal's sombrero, attached them to, to a strap and attached them to the saddle. And then they turned him loose, letting him wander the countryside. This beautiful horse with a dead body propped up on it uh, no telling what just 
The image alone is, is disturbing. And this started in the western tale, that little, the western uh, tale of Texas, um, kind of closer towards uh, Del Rio area-ish, kind of halfway between San Antonio and Del Rio. And his body was not taken off the horse until the horse wandered into Alice, Texas, which is next to Corpus Christi, which means the horse traveled through the hills, through the streets, through all of no man's land, pretty much, most of no man's land, with a dead body, decapitated dead body, attached to its saddle as a warning to all would-be horse thieves. Um, the people that found his body in, uh, or found the horse in Alice was able to calm the horse down, get uh, Vidal's body off of the horse, and, and bury him in an unmarked grave. It is said that when they went to get Vidal's body off of the horse, that he was riddled with bullet holes, some of them probably from the night he was killed, some of them from possible passerbyers that were seeing something that freaked them out and they shot first and asked questions later. Um, and there was also Indian arrows sticking out of him. I, I can't even imagine coming across that as a person coming across um, you know being out on on, on, on the open range and with a horse or um, even in a buggy or a, a covered wagon and having a gray horse just run by me with a body without a head the head attached to the saddle bouncing as the horse gallops. And then, you know, shoot it and have absolutely nothing happen. And I'm pretty sure that might have helped conjured up some of the legends from the story and, and kind of tied it in to um, El Morto. And kind of combining all the stories from the actual people seeing the ghost, um, which the family did see the ghost on um, on the road to San Diego, um, and then several other people saw um, headless ghost um, headless ghost on a horseback within the hills. Um, I mean, can you imagine if? You had something like that come up on you and you shot it, nothing happened, or you, you know, shot an arrow at it and you go back and tell your friends about it. Man, dude, we were camping and this horse come wandering up, had, you know, a headless horseman on it. I shot at it. I know I hit it. It just rode off into the dark like nothing happened. It must have been some sort of ghost. See where I'm going with that? Kind of 
people's own stories from their encounters of Vidal's body kind of bled into the ghost stories of the Headless Horseman in South Texas. I don't know. Possibility? Maybe. But um, this is one of those where the actual history of it is almost more disturbing than the the you know whatever ghost story you can come up with because there's no reports of the ghosts killing anybody or or um, you know hurting anybody or anything like there was one superstition that got tied to it to where if you saw the headless horseman you know you were gonna have bad luck or you know bad things were gonna happen to you but there was no no history to it like um like not like the devil's chair from uh, England which that's definitely a story I will be covering on this podcast and once I get kind of wound down from some of these Texas um some of the local legends in Texas and throughout Texas I'll start branching out and hitting other legends and the the devil's chair from England is by far one of my favorite because there are many documented cases of people dying or falling ill after the fact. So that's another story for another day. Um, but there's nothing like that with this legend. This legend is just, you know, uh, oh, I spotted a headless ghostman or a headless horseman on the hills. Uh, I saw one riding along the road. More of a to scare you, but nothing vindictive or evil, just to scare you. And, I mean, if you want to hear more stories like this, more Texas legends, and like I said, I'll be branching out from Texas legends also. Um, I just kind of wanted to get a little bit more of a feel for Texas legend before moving on to other legends throughout the U.S. and throughout other countries. Um, but if you want to hear more stories like this, please hit the subscribe button down below. Um, hit hit the like button if you like the story. Hit the dislike button if you don't like the story. Comment down below. Uh, you know, leave me a message telling me I'm an idiot because I can't pronounce uh, some of these Spanish words, which I should be able to pronounce easily, especially being a native Texan. Um, but yeah, uh, I think that's going to be it for today's podcast. Uh, thank you guys for joining us and until next time.